welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched, what was it, episodes 9 through 12 of yeah. Tale of the Nine-Tailed? Dang, I'm getting better and better at that. this. I mean, here, like, I'm sure I've talked about this. Here's the thing. The numbers don't change. and they also i don't know they kind of don't matter at this point we could just mark them on the title of each episode and then we could be like part three yep and people would know that's nine through twelve and that actually is such a fucking novel idea that i'm mad that we didn't have this conversation sooner (laughs) i'm mad we didn't do this three years ago yeah what Okay, well, you know. <laughs> um, how have you been, Raquel? Oh, you know, uh, real time, the holidays literally just ended. Um, it is a couple days out of New Year's, and I am glad that the holidays are over for the first time maybe ever in my life. Oh, <laughs> And not in, like, the world's saddest way. It just, I think that we can all agree that 2020 was a crazy year. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, some varying levels of good and bad. I would say that my 2020 was average, which is to say bad, but not not terrifying um, as far as, like, certain different situations go. But that said... It 2020 did go ahead and just like really color this holiday season with its its badness. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was good. Like it was nice to hang, spend time with my family, and that was really nice. I just I kind of breathed a sigh of relief on the other end of the holidays. I'm looking forward to holidays 2021 when they come. I'm not like wishing my life away, but. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what that brings, and I'm hoping it's just a really magical year. Yeah. Same. Uh, it was a very slow holiday season for me. First time since we moved here. So we moved here a little over three years ago, and we moved here in late September. So the first year we were here, we didn't go home for Christmas kind of just celebrated by ourselves at home and we really just let the season pass us by and then we spent every holiday just crying all day and we were like okay so that didn't work for us that was bad we will (laughs) spend all of our money every year to go home every holiday or like during Christmas time and we've done that consistently obviously we couldn't this year my husband and I were stuck in Japan, but we tried to make it our own thing, our first ever two-and-a-half-person family holiday experience, and that kind of worked. It's been very calm and very lovely. I think we're both just still in the mindset of, like, nothing happened, Christmas is coming, right? Because, like... We didn't really have our Christmas magic. It was uh, nice 
We had a fine time, but we deserve magic on Christmas. It was like a weekend. Yeah, it was like a weekend getaway when usually, like we didn't go anywhere, obviously, but the equivalent is a weekend getaway when usually Christmas is like going to Disneyland. So, yeah, we would rather be home with our magical families whom we love very much and we will plan on doing that next year. But it was fine. I think it's it's also January 4th here, and we are in the middle of winter now, which I think hits everyone the same every year of, like, after New Year's passes, you're like, oh, wait, winter sucks. <laughs> I guess maybe not everybody hates winter as much as I do, but I'm like, oh, it's only magical when you listen to songs every day that tell you how magical it is. But after Christmas... I'm not vibing with those Christmas songs, so I'm done with this. This white trash. Yeah, low-key winter is my favorite season up until the holidays. I, like, that is me to a T, what you just described, except, like, <laughs> straight up my favorite. I get stoked when I see the first snow. I mm. want to get hot chocolate and walk around and look at lights. I do listen to that Christmas music that tells me that everything's beautiful when it snows and wow, how lovely this winter thing is. Um, I get really hyped around like decorations indoors, like walking around shops. I love coats. Thanks, Korean dramas, for really just feeding <laughs> that love in a big way always. Uh Yes. Um, scarves, hats. I love the winter clothes. I love the winter. I love winter. And then, yes, the holiday magic ends. And all of a sudden, it's an inconvenient thing that is sometimes scary to drive in. So scary to drive in. That's probably 90% of why I don't like winter. I think if I lived, it's weird. I do live in a tiny village where I should be able to walk everywhere. But, you know, if I lived in a smaller, even tinier village where I was able to just walk everywhere and go to the nice little bakery down the street. You walk through the little snow, the magical snow, (laughs) to the bakery to get a fresh loaf of bread every morning. And then you walk to the coffee shop for a cup of joe. And there's just cobblestone streets. I don't know where this image is coming from, but that's an okay winter to me. (laughs) What's happening here is that I have to drive to work every morning, and driving in the snow is such a nightmare. It is my deepest fear. I've been living with my parents, and they have the world's steepest driveway, and I had driven to my grandma's for literally 20 minutes the other day to help her with her tablet. And I turned around and drove back to my house, and in the 20 minutes that I was helping my grandma with her tablet, it had snowed so much, and I could not get up my driveway, my parents' (gasps) driveway, and then, freaking, my dad had to, he shoveled it for me, and he was like, let me help you get up. And I was like, great, and so he was standing at the top of the driveway trying to direct me, and I was just getting stuck at the bottom of the driveway Uh because it's icy and shitty and I was like oh yeah yeah this is what's wrong with winter this is it (laughs) nobody likes this because then you're stepping on the gas and you're like if I actually get any traction 
I'm just gonna go 60 into my garage door. <laughs> into my dad. Like, into your father. <laughs> but for now, I'm just sliding in place at the bottom of the driveway, and <laughs> this is a nightmare. Um, yeah. And then there were cars that didn't see that my dad was assisting me, and they would pull over to help me, and then I had to be like, oh, no, no, no. This is fine. I'm home. I don't need help. I'm not stuck. I'm just trying to get up there. Uh, And this guy's helping me. Yes, stuck. (laughs) Yes. But probably don't get behind my car and push. It's not a good place for that. No, it's far too steep. If if I lose any traction, you'll die. So that's winter in January and February and March and maybe a little bit of April. Here we go, guys. (laughs) We've passed the holiday magic, but we'll keep making hot cocoa and try and keep our spirits up. See how it goes. Hot cocoa does sound so good. My... I have, like, a Costco-sized box of Swiss Miss, and yeah, I'm that garbage person that drinks Swiss Miss. It's sugar. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Sue me. (laughs) I get that. This is gonna be a fine winter. We can complain about it all we want. We'll (laughs) complain about winter so that hopefully we can get all our negativity out before we jump into the show and have (laughs) Better experience this week with Tale of the Nine-Tailed. Sorry for what happened last week. Yep, we went hard with our negative feelings. And, you know, I do have fewer negative feelings this week, just generally. Um, (laughs) I mean, we can hop in, because there is one thing I want to say. I kind of want to apologize to the actress that plays Gia, if you're listening to this. (laughs) Lol. Um... She's not. She isn't listening she might to this. Be. I just, I, w- I didn't even laugh because I was like, yeah, that's fair. She might be. <laughs> I'm optimistic, I guess. <laughs> Maybe her people. I don't know. We dragged her. I especially feel like I dragged her last week uh, based on a couple of moments in the K-drama, but I feel like she gave us a lot more this week. And now I'm looking yeah. back and, you know... In light of her giving us so much this week, in these next four episodes, it feels like it really was just a character decision on how she wanted to handle her feelings, uh, kind of in those moments, instead of just her being a closed-off, emotional, uh, emotionally vacant human being. Um, so yeah, she really brought it this week, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Apologies, because, yeah, it makes a lot more sense in the context of the show almost as a whole. We've only watched three quarters of it, but seeing more of the picture, it's a lot clearer that it probably was a character choice, and she was supposed to be emotionally closed off for a lot of the show. It was just our dumb, dumb brains being like, we're halfway through the show and we're still not connecting with you at all. Yeah. And that's your fault, not ours. <laughs> we're it's always just, our fault. Yeah, we're going to put that on you because it is a lot of introspection that we don't want to deal with if we try and put it on us. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. I can't afford a therapist to help me through that. So that's your fault. It's your fault that I can't connect with humans, okay? <laughs> So this week, literally the last two days, 
I have cried so hard um, not at Korean dramas that it kind oh, okay. of made me realize that this Korean drama has not made me emotional. Because uh, okay. I watched a couple different pieces of media that big time made me cry like, whoa. Um, and I thought up until that point that I was maybe just emotionally dying. But I guess I'm just not feeling too much of the sads from this gay drama. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious if it's us right now. I'm always going to blame it on us because I'm in the same boat. I'm having a hard time even turning on Korean dramas right now. Please let us know if you also experienced this because as a Korean drama podcaster, I feel like there was a weight on my shoulders, this responsibility to be like, so into K-dramas all the time. I'm supposed to be watching 10 every month and be so on top of what the new ones are and how I feel about them. But sometimes I'll go through, I'd say like the past two months I've been here of like, I can watch like an episode of a new one and be like, it's so good or I didn't connect with it or whatever. And either way, I'll never turn it on again. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a struggle to get through our homework of watching K-dramas for the podcast. And I don't know if that's just, like, depression from the hardships of 2020. <laughs> like you said, we probably need therapy. But also, I don't know if it's just the dramas that we've been watching and maybe we just haven't been connecting with this one as much as we thought we would. Yeah, I think this one especially we built up in our minds a lot. I think so too, because it's got your boy Lee Dong Wook, who was the grandmaster champ at making me cry when we watched shows, for example, Goblin or Guardian, depending on what year you watched it in. Um, and he just all of his scenes in that hit so hard and like i said he like his scenes grandmaster champ of just i i cried habitually watching that show <laughs> and then to i guess come to this where i still think he's just an outstanding actor i literally i i was watching the k drama in the same room as my boyfriend because i wasn't worried about crying um he's seen it he's been there for all the other tears so but um, I also, yeah, just wasn't worried about this K-drama making me particularly emotional. And so I was watching it in the same room as him while he played video games. And at one point I laughed out loud at just like a hand gesture that Lee Dong-wook did, that his character did. Um, mm-hmm. I think he was talking to like the grandma or something. <gasps> yeah. And he like threw a thumbs up and then pointed at himself. <laughs> oh, like, there's one where he blew her a kiss, oh, and I yeah. was like, that is the best. <laughs> and it was so good, and I laughed out loud. So he's still, like, I still connect with him so much, because it's just the little things like that that I think make him such a lovable actor. But it has been surprising, I guess, the expectation I had for him to make me feel again, and then to just kind of ha- not be feeling those feelings. I'm not there. But, um, mm-hmm. but like, I'm still really grateful for him because he's killing it. Yeah. I think I will say episode nine hit hard for me. That was 
my favorite episode of this drama so far. Delving deep into Li Rong and Jia's deepest fears was like, you can connect with those so deeply. They are so vulnerable. And I think Li Rong's especially, maybe because that's one of my deepest fears. It's, I assume a lot of people have a fear of abandonment. And it was so beautiful to watch these two brothers do all this stuff together. It was everything we've wanted from the show to see them like repair their relationship a little bit. And then on the other hand, we had Jia doing her own thing. And it was so perfectly confusing. I didn't think it would be an entire episode of these two trapped in the dream world. I thought it would be like 10 minutes and then they'd get out. And it was so cool to see like the explanations slowly unravel of like, why Leon picked his brother instead of Jia. Like, he wouldn't have been allowed into Jia's dream world and to see why it made any sense that her nightmare was having her parents around. It was so well done and so deeply emotional in a way that I didn't expect. And I loved it. I thought they did such a good job with that episode. They did an amazing job with that episode. It was so good. And I I think of all of the episodes, yes, that one was the closest to making me emotional because the moment she made the decision to leave her parents, they also delivered such an outstanding performance of being, mm-hmm. like, the parents desperate to keep their daughter even though they it wasn't her parents, I guess, but... It was her, like, she had recreated them. They were some amount of her parents and how she remembered them. And to have that moment of them just being like, what does it matter? We can still just be happy here. Because that's such, like, an interesting philosophical, I guess, um, idea to confront. Mm -hmm. That just, like what's the difference between happiness in reality or, like, a completely made-up reality that you, maybe you know it's not reality, but it it feels like happiness. So is it not happiness because it isn't true reality? Or, I don't know, it's just, it's a lot, it's really heavy, and they did a really good job with it. Yeah. These concepts from the Matrix that we're bringing in of, like, does it does it really matter if she doesn't rescue her real parents if she has this version of them forever and they can all be happy together but you see her in the real world dying from this from being trapped in there and you know that she would regret so much her real allowing her real self to die and allowing in a in a sense her real self to give up looking for her real parents just to live in this false reality is yeah oh it's so deep and it cuts in such a new way chef's kiss beautifully done my my only tiny of course i can never be totally happy my (laughs) only uh tiny tiny piece of criticism was that later in episode 11 They try and bring back conflicts that were resolved in that episode where 
the CEO approaches Gia and gives her the bottle to and the carnation to like either save her parents at the price of like destroying Leon or to give up on them forever. And you're like, that was literally the choice she made in episode nine. And she decided to trust Leon and trust that he will help her find her real parents. So why would she take a whole day of not answering her phone and sitting in the dark in her cute little house and being somber just to be like, yeah, I came to the same exact conclusion I did two days ago when I made this same decision. Yeah, that was really rough. And I kind of got the same feeling when... We were doing the back and forth with Lee Rong on uh-huh. what he was going to do. Because it's one thing if, um, I guess, I don't want to say that, I guess, the turmoil or the conflict of choice he's going through was uninteresting, because it is. It's interesting. It was more, the at the time, what felt like watching him make the same mistakes over and over again where he was just and obviously they completely rectified that like it was they were pulling the old rope-a-dope uh-huh um but at the time it was very frustrating because it was very much um even if you predicted that he maybe wasn't betraying Leon it still felt like watching him have the same argument with himself that he was supposed to already have been through when he confronted his fears and dealt with them where like he was once again being presented with this idea like oh no he abandons you and he always has and he always will and it was very similarly that same moment of no we literally you went (laughs) to nightmare land so that you could deal with this? You you already went through this? And I don't want to watch you go through it again, because I swear to God, if you make the wrong choice twice, I just, <laughs> I can't anymore. Also, he, all of his storylines and scenes are so interesting to me that when they start repeating them is when I start to lose interest a little bit. Because usually, like, He's delivering a top-notch performance. I love watching his conflict. I love watching him because, like, he's never out of character. He's just, I don't know, he's just a complicated character. And so you don't really know what he's going to do. And so it was, first of all, perfect that they decided to use him to set a trap. But also, it keeps him so interesting. And so, yeah, anything that threatens that, I'm just like, ugh, lame. (laughs) Uh uh-huh and i think they did an all right job it was a small frustration that was pretty Mm short-lived and they brought it back they brought it back and i'm proud of them but i was like episode nine was so perfect do not mess with it in episode 11 by trying (laughs) to bring back the same conflicts we're done we've solved it um maybe that's just me though i don't know uh i did have one one small other improvement for the show i think that's it as far as complaints but as far as uh just a just a fan fiction i guess (laughs) so imagine if you will there is a scene where imugi is asked what they're after like what the end game is and imugi says 
I want the mountain god's body and I want Gia as my bride or like I want that woman as my bride and you know he means Gia and that's such a cliche and kind of gross old-fashioned line but just imagine how much how hard it would hit if Imugi was played by a woman that would be so cool right there are so many scenes where I was like oh but if Imugi was a woman Oh, this would be so cool. Yeah, freaking tired idea. Another creepy man demon who wants to have godlike powers and be married to a beautiful woman he can control. Ooh, tired. Wired? A woman (laughs) who wants godlike powers. (laughs) (laughs) And wants a beautiful woman as her bride. I'm just saying, that show has a bisexual energy that I'm here for. Yes, I want that. I want that energy in this show. Um, I will say, as far as actors, though, if they were gonna pick a man, they picked the right Deadeyes boy to be a Deadeyed boy to creep me out. (laughs) I'm so in love with him. I... Oh, he's... It's hard because he's such a baby face that I'm like, yeah, you look like a 22-year-old. I looked it up and he's like 27. What the what? He's a man. He's a full man. He does not look 27. Or maybe I look ancient. Who's to say? (laughs) Who's to say? Let's not talk about skincare routines. (laughs) Let's just say one of us has been aging and one of us hasn't. He stopped at some point. He is frozen. But, like, I'm a little bit obsessed with how perfect and doll-like all his features are. I love him. I think he's perfect casting. Good casting, if you will. It is is very good casting. But I just want a woman in that role instead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, big time. That actually is not something I had considered, and I'm a little mad at myself because that would make it better, and I'm a little mad at the writers because that would make it better. And the casting directors. Hey, everyone, get together. Write that good, good character that we need, not just the character we've always had. Just write the same exact show, and then cast the roles as different genders than what you originally imagined. Heck yeah. Make Gia the mountain god. Who's to say? And I'm just saying... Also make if... Gia. Gia. <laughs> also, she plays both roles. <laughs> she plays both. Lindsay Lohan in Parent Trap <laughs> vibe. Or Hilary Duff in that one movie about Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> The Lizzie McGuire movie. (laughs) (laughs) If you will. (laughs) I'm here for it. Give Gia all the roles. We've seen her work now. What if... What if it was a one-woman show and Gia was everyone in the show? (laughs) (laughs) I'd be here for that. I... Okay, I said I had no more complaints. I am mystified (laughs) that they are trying to make me believe... That her best friends are, like, seven to ten years older than her. Yeah, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Have you seen that boy? <laughs> he is at least five years younger than the two of them. But I guess he's raising her as his 
new child. Even as like a 15-year-old raising a nine-year-old, like I could maybe see that. It's the olden days. I don't know. Ages were a little more vague. But like you are not convincing me that in the past and now he has been at least six years older than her. I know. Mm-mm. Look at him. Mm-mm. He's 25. <laughs> She's 30. I'm not saying these women look old, no. but they both look 30. Appropriately yeah. 30. And he looks 25 at the oldest. And he looks 25. You cannot convince me that her friend, the writer, is like 37, maybe 40 years old. No, 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 no. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Uh yeah, I when they brought that whole storyline of them having saved her as a child from that for in the feudal times. Um it was a lot to just watch them not age. <laughs> so confusing. Again, it's I mean, and they sort of got away with it with having a mountain god that doesn't age, you know, sort of, a little bit, got away with it. We're all still creeped out. No one's okay with it. (laughs) But to have people that are supposed to age just in a time when life was so hard, just Mm -hmm. continue to look so much younger than her. (laughs) Just change their haircuts, and apparently that's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it usually works on me, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) But I was not fooled this time. Those guys are not that much older than her. Hi. No. So, speaking of things that's, like, maybe just us, or maybe just me, but it's really a big deal for me, is anyone finding themselves, anyone else finding themselves, constantly extremely distracted by how concerned they are for Shinju, or is that just me? No, I get that. I'm just constantly... When he is not on the screen, I am worried. Because I want (laughs) him to just always be in view so I can keep track of him. Oh no, I'm not that worried. But I I get it. I love the good boy who takes care of dogs and cats and is pure and sweet and... You know, when I can't see him, I'm just... And at this point, he's been hypnotized. By a movie, so we don't know at what point he's just gonna jump off a cliff, you know? Uh-huh. Whoa, remember that really dark scene when 132 people killed themselves? And the show's just like, uh, next scene. What mm-hmm. if her friends are gonna kill themselves? And you're like, I'm sorry, wait. We're not done processing the amount of suicides that just happened. I'm trying to think about what that would look like in a news story. In real life, absolutely fucking terrifying is what first comes to mind. Not just a passing, oh, did you see that spooky news story? Hey, you were there. Are you okay? Well, we'll never Uh talk about this again. It would be (laughs) the- Especially their team. Yeah. Their freaking mystery squad. And they're like, oh, what a crazy story. And you're like, somebody else's story? Maybe you should get in on that. Maybe you should investigate that. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm getting paid 77 US dollars per hour to advise Lee Young on how to be a good boyfriend. So I'm going to do that. I mean, I get it. 
but also you got to keep your TV jobs. And I really feel like that's a story you could pursue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Insanity. Yeppers. I'll just think about that forever, I guess. <laughs> and how brushed over it was in this fictional you could write a whole show about that moment (laughs) you could you could write a whole show about that moment and the way it affected people's lives we could do Mm -hmm. 16 hours on that and they barely gave it 16 seconds yeah yeah they really did not come back to that i genuinely forgot about it (laughs) do not dwell on that moment I mean, it'll haunt you. (laughs) Oh, what a good bad guy. He's a great bad guy. I'm scared of him. That's fair. He's spooky. He's a spooky guy. Spooky guy. I loved that very awkward encounter where he has his first, his welcoming party. And at first, the very uncomfortable team leader is kind of kind of sexually harassing him yeah like a little tiny bit i mean he doesn't care i mean it's not what he seems to care (laughs) oh just like don't rub somebody's shoulders and be like wow what a body this body i I wish my son had this body like oh i don't know what any of that means no don't touch me anymore or look at me anymore no 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 but man, Gia really showed up being like playing the game. Playing the Heck game yeah. and stalling for time. I was so uncomfortable with all of her. Yeah, it was kind of that first that thing we talked about in our first episode about Tale of the Nine Tailed, where we talked about her skills with people and how good she is at controlling situations and that came back into play. Yeah. In a big way, and I was so stoked because I was like, yes, girl, play to your strengths. And even Leon was like, you're going to do the thing that only you can do. Control the shit out of that guy. <laughs> Pretend you don't know anything about the fact that he is this ancient god come to murder us all. And just, like, keep him at this awkward team meeting. You can do that. That's on you. And she's like, yeah, I will be so good at that. Thank you. Thank you for Nailed seeing it. my strengths. <laughs> Appreciate that. After episode 9, episode 10 was called Deja Vu. And it was a bit slow for me. That, that was the episode where everyone saw their past lives. Yeah, it was everyone. a big snoozer. Everyone saw their big snoozer <laughs> lives. Aum died for the, like, 10,000th time. Glad we went back over that, bad boy. It was beautiful and sad, and they explained the entire thing, but I just really feel like, did that need to be an episode 10 moment? Or could it have been, like, an episode 5 moment? Mm-hmm. And then we could have talked about, at the time, how she didn't get the whole story, when she didn't get the whole story... Instead Mm -hmm. of showing us, first, not the whole story, and then showing us, again, not the whole story, and then, like, one more again, but this time most of the story, but maybe, like, one or two details are left out, and okay, we think we have the whole story now. 
but who's to say we have four more episodes that they've got to fill up and it feels like we're getting pretty close to the end so they might just have to fill up some time with another Aum death who's to say who's to say She's how like many Kenny. times can she die <laughs> she is the Kenny, Kenny from South Park She's the Kenny oh. of the... Uh, do you... Uh, do you understand that reference? I don't. Oh, no. I know South Park. There are children. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of all of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you got, like, the main premise. It's <laughs> a bunch of Canadian children, but there's one of the Canadian children named Kenny, and he dies in every episode. Oh, no. But it, he's fine. By the next episode, he's back. Okay. Yeah, that's Aum for sure. <laughs> that's Kenny. I get the reference now. <laughs> oh, I Let's don't see. think they're Canadians now that I think about it. It feels like they are, though. But the Canadians in that show are animated differently and talk differently. Anyway, that's been... It, this has been our... <laughs> South Park fan cast? I have never been a fan, <laughs> but I guess here we are. I guess here we are trying to explain the premise. Yeah, but should we have come? No. No, we no. should not. But for those of you who got the joke, I think it landed. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for being here. <laughs> Can I tell you something really stupid Please. that bothered me the tiniest bit? At the end of episode 10, Gia is confronting the CEO... I don't know what his name is. CEO, live forever. And <laughs> they're like facing each other. They're doing that K-drama thing where you just kind of stand two feet apart and like talk to each other. That's fine. I guess that's a normal way to talk to people. I just haven't done it in so long that I forget. But then at the beginning of episode 11, they're replaying the same scene, and he's sitting at his desk. Oh my god, I actually convinced myself in order to live with what was <laughs> happening, in order to cope with the fact that they did that to me. I had convinced myself that he was sitting the whole time, and I'm <laughs> so glad that you're clearing the air right now. Like, how will I cope? I don't know, but I'm so <laughs> glad to know that I'm not out of my mind. You're not. They're out of their minds, thinking that nobody would notice. That's a pretty common K-drama thing, is you leave off with a cliffhanger or, like, a finale scene, and then it replays, usually with more information or context, in the beginning of the next episode. So you can tell it's filmed at a different time. They're redoing the scene, essentially. But it's usually not that different. This was, like, changes clothes put him in a different spot they're saying different lines this was like everything was different what you can't just have a man sitting down when in the last scene when they were having the same conversation he was standing up what are you doing we're not fools they think we're dumb babies i am but emily isn't not getting past me <laughs> i saw that and i wrote it in my notes <laughs> Okay, let's see. The end of episode boop, 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 11. I wrote The Parent Trap. Oh, yeah. We oh. keep talking about The Parent Trap. I'm just going to keep making references to The Parent Trap, my favorite movie, I guess. Um, that note is in reference to 
the two Fox brothers tricking their CEO dad into thinking that they are the other twin. Oh yeah. They did a good job. They I did a good thing. Loved that. I was so stoked to find out that uh Lee Rong was not a good boy, but like he loves his brother and his brother loves him. And that's really all I ever want is for two bros to love each other, you know, and just care. It's all I ever want, and it was so much pressure for the the old older man, the grandpa that works with the grandma, for him to be like, Lirong, the way to solve this is you gotta be clever. You don't have to break the contract, you just have to be cleverer than the contract. Please, if I ever come to you for advice, don't just be like, be clever. Like, hey... <laughs> No, tell me what to do. <laughs> if I could have come up with a plan to get out of this, I would have. But I like that Liron came through. He was like, oh, I figured it out. I was clever. I think that's something they keep coming back to is, like, freaking Leon calls him out for it every six seconds. And I'm getting a little bit tired of this. Him being like, you're the dumbest boy alive, and I should have <laughs> let you die. You're a big old crybaby, and all you do is whine and pout and don't solve your own problems. And I'm glad that Lee Rong keeps showing up and being like, that's not me. I'm being clever now. I am a freaking fox. I have evaded death for 600 years. There is a reason for that. I'm liking that vibe a little bit better than Leon just constantly pooping on his abilities yeah i think that that's very good and they did a good job of leading us into that moment kind of like i said earlier where at first it kind of felt like rehashing the same old thing but if you check the small details all of a sudden it's like oh no they it's already been hashed and they're not rehashing they're doing a trick they're doing a trick and it's hard when they're trying to do the trick on the audience as well when you're like We've seen that they've come together. You don't have to trick us. It's just kind of a waste of time. But it is very, very clever when the whole trick comes together and you're like, oh, they got me. <laughs> a little bit of the stage magician where you're like, I know that it's magic and they're probably tricking me. But at the same time, it's kind of fun to just be tricked and think like Li Rong for just a second might be going back to the bad guy's side. And then be like, oh, no, he isn't. Wow, magic. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. I love a good trick. I love a good magic trick. Um, I need help with something. Like, I need something explained to me. Hi, I'm Dumb Baby. Will you explain <laughs> something to me? I will try. I feel like they've talked about it over and over again, but not in any real way that would provide an explanation of why the angry death grandma couldn't tell Leon why his plan wasn't gonna work or about Gia being the main body of Imugi. I so I know that a big thing with her character is that they keep coming back to her son, and it seems like her real son was in 
essentially the same situation as Leon, where he fell in love with the mortal who became cursed by this very powerful spirit. And she was like, I'll solve the problem. I'm not going to make you kill the woman you love. I'll kill her. And then her son, in his torment, killed himself. So I know that she doesn't want to, quote unquote, make the same mistake or at least make the same choice. She doesn't want to hurt Leon by intervening and saying like, Gia's the bad guy. I'll I'll help you. I'll just kill her. Like, I don't I don't know if she's like, I don't think it would help. I don't think Leon would kill her again when he had to in her past life. I don't know. Yeah, I Uh, guess I'm just in a place of not even being like she needs to solve this problem or needs to rehash the same thing she did that ended up in the death of her son. I'm more just thinking like a modicum of honesty about what she knows about the situation (laughs) could have actually at least stopped them from doing something that seems to have caused like made more problems she seemed pretty upset when they went through with their little ritual but she didn't want to be helpful before then she didn't want to provide information up to that point she just wanted to be upset when it was happening she that seems to be kind of her character and it's something i don't understand i would like maybe the last four episodes will really Help my help my understanding bridge the gaps here, but like there are a lot of things that frustrate me about that character a lot. Yeah. Mostly how she treats her husband, where yeah. I'm like, I don't like the trope of having a nice guy character who's just happy go lucky and super nice and bubbly to everybody, especially the people he loves, and they all just step on him and treat him like trash, and you're like. That's not comedy. That's not fun for me. No, it actually kind of ejects me out of any good feelings I am feeling. Like, if I'm yeah. having a good feeling, maybe about what a nice guy he is, or about a previous scene, who's to say? I am immediately, that ends as soon as someone is abusive towards someone who doesn't deserve abuse, consistently, from people who are supposed to love him. So I don't get, yeah, I think their relationship really overshadowed any frustrations frustrations I had with how she's communicating with Leon, because I think that's supposed to be very mysterious, and they've definitely written a, a character who is omnipotent and makes decisions that you can't understand because you're a little dumb mortal. Or a little dumb gumiho. And so, in time, it will all come together. I'm confident in that. But I get what you mean of, like, then why does she act so surprised and put off when Leon's plan fails? If she knew that it would fail and knew that that would be his plan all along. And didn't tell him why it was going to fail? Just, I mean, she said it's going to fail plenty of times. But at no point was she like, because that's not Imugi's body. Sorry, there's, bud. There's two of them. There's two Imugis. Yeah. And literally only the 
25-year-old dude at the Mystic TV show office is knows that. He's the only one that knows there's two Imugis. Sorry. I also <laughs> knew. Because also, I'm all-knowing. I knew, and he was about to tell you, but of course he couldn't. Um, and I could have. I had a lot of opportunities, and then I just didn't. Because... Something. <laughs> You'll know in time. That's fair. I don't know the answer. I think I rambled for a long time, hoping that you would pick it up and be like, Oh, I see now, and then you would explain it. <laughs> That's usually how my explanations work. It didn't work. I there is no explanation right now. <laughs> um, well, I guess time will tell. We've got four final episodes to watch. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one. I'm not... I thought the homecoming of Jia's parents would be more touching. I think similar to Aum's death. It's just kind of happened so many times by now. Yeah, sorry, you did it too. You did it in her dream. You did it episode one when you made us all think that it was a dream, but actually they were trying to kill her. It's just happened a lot. And I love them. They're the purest parents in all the land. But I and it was very precious to get to see her with them. I just it was just nice. It wasn't, like, a big moment for me. Yeah. It felt like there was a lot of build-up. And then probably, yeah, the biggest moment being episode nine. Where you're like, she spends the whole episode with her parents. So to be like, in episode 12, she also spends half the episode with her parents. You're like, it doesn't hit as hard. Even if you'd waited just a few more episodes. But I also built it up in my head that that was kind of end game that their goal with this show was to get her parents back and they're like no we've got a lot of other storylines to tie up don't worry Lee Rong is dying now oh poor buddy Didn't I see it coming. feel bad for him I really like Lee Rong don't get me wrong that's gonna be sad but they established that he was dying anyway so I'm kind of like okay I mean he was on his way out <laughs> I feel bad for Yuri. Mm -hmm. That sucks so much more than just dying, is being the one to kill the person you love. Ouch. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. They filled that episode with flashbacks of those two building a relationship. Mm -hmm. And how sweet she is with him and how much she cares for him just over the course of the drama, even in the morbid moments, like when they were... Mm -hmm. Breaking the hands of baseball players together, you know? Mm-hmm. So sweet. Doing her first murder and he's so proud of her. <laughs> Cute. And then... Dang. Real hard-hitting stuff. I uh, They do the thing with this drama that I just can't figure out how to feel about, where she's murdering her, like, best friend, this person she loves so deeply... And it's juxtaposed with Coffee Bay and Leon getting promise rings with his girlfriend. Yeah, like, I don't know why they think that's a fun show setup. In fact, that might be why I'm not feeling emotional while I watch this show. Mm. Because they're forcibly ejecting me from emotional moments by trying to break it up with like, and these 
dumb fucks have no clue that their brother <laughs> is being murdered by his best friend who's been hypnotized by an evil snake demon they just want to talk about rings and kiss the camera of their phone you know couple stuff um, anyway back to the murder remember that scene with leon's phone where he's just, like, flipping it ten different ways? I literally stopped and showed that to my boyfriend. I was like, look at the <laughs> Samsung commercial. What is this? <laughs> How many screens are there? It's like an origami phone. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Uh, emotional ejection. That is a choice. It mm-hmm. is a choice. Just, I, if I had, if I was... In a position to recommend anything to anyone, I guess my recommendation would be let people feel their feelings. You don't have to do that. They played the most beautiful song. I could feel myself starting to get into the moment of like, <gasps> she's killing him. She's like, sh- this is all she would ever not want. This is her worst nightmare. And they, yep, yeet, we're going to coffee day. <laughs> I don't get it. But, you know, maybe he'll live, which is also weird. I feel like she's a good enough killer that she really could have she really could have tried harder. <laughs> Did he even teach you how to actually kill people? Come on. Yeah. Maybe he sabotaged her, you know? Don't don't teach your loved ones how to kill because they may just effectively kill you. Teach them mm. how to almost kill. Then they'll only almost kill you. I guess he's a fox, so he might have been like, here's an effective way to kill humans. They're a lot weaker. Mm. But if you try and kill me, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. We'll see. Who's to say? We'll find out in the next four (laughs) episodes. I will say I've never seen a K-drama death where somebody died and then was mourned and then was on a hospital bed for like four days and then actually died. I think if they end up on the hospital bed and they're like, all we have is to just wait and see. It's going to take some time. He might make it through this. Like, they're going to live. He'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not too worried about him yet. I feel like if he goes down, he's going to go down doing something else, not just laying in a bed, slowly, slow dying. I feel like it's going to be like... Never seen that in a drama. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Um, if you have all the thoughts in the world on this exciting and crazy and fun and emotionally weird drama, let us know. Our email address is playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you can also comment on our episodes on the website, sign up for our newsletter, and find a link to our Patreon at playonk.com. You can go directly to our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash playonk, if you want to support the show, even get a shout-out on the show, and find all of our bonus content. Yeah, and we are on multiple different streaming platforms for podcasts. Wherever you find us, you can probably either rate, review, or subscribe, or maybe multiple of those things. And anything you're willing to throw toward us is going to help us immensely, and we thank you so much. Yeah! Last, we are on a couple social media platforms. On Instagram, we're at PlayOnKPodcast. And on Twitter, we are at PlayOnK. And you can stop by there and say hi to us, let us know you're listening, and get updated about whatever we've got going on. 
Yeah, we're having a lot of fun over there. Go check it out. And thank you so much for listening. We thank will catch you. you on the last four episodes of Tale of the Nine Tale. Okay, bye.